Welcome to Road Noise. Buckle up as we explore God's faithfulness, reflecting on 50 years of full-time ministry. We're taking lessons from the unique life and ministry of Sheldon and Victoria Rhodes as they share the gospel crisscrossing North America. I'm your host, Kedron Rhodes, and each episode, I sit down with my dad, Sheldon, and we travel back in time, retracing the lessons God was teaching and mapping them to life today. This scenery may have changed, but God's faithfulness remains the same. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Road Noise. All right, well, hey, let's put it in drive. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Road Noise. I'm glad you're hanging out with Dad and I here. And um, as you've, as you know, Mom and Dad are getting on the road with a new stage and surrounded by a whole group of folks that have great talents to help support them along their along their way. And hey, if this is just like any other road trip, there's bound to be some some detours and some roadblocks along the way. And uh, we've got a couple of those for us tonight. So as we're kind of reflecting on those early, early days of uh, starting ministry in the Lansing area, uh, there's a couple of roadblocks that are probably worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, actually, the, let's address three of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we get this new stage built and everything, and um, um, now we're starting to do meetings with it. And meetings are going well, but um, one of the very first things that we found was um, that needed changed, needed to be modified. I mean, there had never been a puppet stage like this before, so there wasn't any plans, there wasn't any dimensions, there wasn't, you know, and my toothpick model uh, looked good, you know, glued to the uh, cereal box, and all those dimensions seemed to work, but when we actually got out on the road and... Um, started using it, we found that uh, we were off just a little bit. In order to put those curtains on the, the framework, and remember that the entire roof is covered and everything, so I forget what the exact dimension was, how high it was, but it was just barely out of reach. Yeah. I mean, it was like close. If I stand on my tiptoes, I could just about get it. And you know, so the first few programs we did... That's pretty much what we did. And I'm thinking, okay, um, if I was a little bit taller, maybe <laughs> uh, that would grow a couple inches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so my first thought was, I mean, all I need is a couple of inches. What if we took something, well, let's say like a tuna fish can and put some straps on it. And you could just kind of put those on your feet, you know, and just give you that extra inch or two, you know, uh, and that's all it would take. But I'm thinking, no, nah, you can't really be walking around in a church or whatever with 10 cans strapped to your feet. And so, you know, stilts, no. Nah. I'll tell you what, instead of trying to get me and Bob Nevius any taller, what if we were to take about an inch and a half off the height of the stage? And anyway, so I called Dick Woltice and told him what the problem was here. And I said, you know, it's working great, but uh, if we could modify it and just lower it by this little bit, he said, well, yeah, we can do that. I mean, he made all the jigs and everything to hold everything in place. And anyway, so we went back in and, and in one evening made that modification. It was just a matter of cutting that inch, inch and a half off of each of those pipes that uh, went up and drilling one more 
hole in its place. And well, anyway, so that solved the problem. Now we're able to reach it. But um, that first stage, or that's that stage that we had then, had a set of curtains. And <laughs> this has been a long time ago. And so some of the details have been a little fuzzy. But um, uh, your mom was looking at a picture that I posted uh, on Facebook about the last podcast. Anyway, she said, oh, that was the first set of curtains in that picture. And I said, what do you mean? She says, that's the curtains that shrunk. And as soon as she said that, I instantly remembered, oh, yeah, how could I have forgotten that? So in a podcast or two before this one, um, you know, we talked about how we got these bedspreads, all these king-size bedspreads, and cut them up. And we did. But those um, made the second set of curtains. We had another set just prior to that that we didn't use for very long because they shrunk. They had two problems. Number one, they were too thin. And if you got up close to them from on the backside, people could see you th see through there and see you. And so as a puppeteer, you don't want that. That's distracting. And so we had to put a lining on those curtains. So basically, you bought twice as much material as what you really needed, because now you got the outside, which looks nice. But then you had the lining on the inside. So you spent money on, on material, but the outside did look nice. It was a kind of a sparkly. And again, we went with the blue and the red combination. And eventually we did salvage those curtains and use them for another puppet stage that we did. But um, bottom line is, we get the stage and all, everything put together and we've got to have some way to transport it. And I believe it was Dick Woltice had an old pop-up camper, but the top portion of it was all trashed, but it had a nice aluminum body and um, two compartments on each side. And Dick made a cover for it, um, kind of like a, a pickup camper cover that would go over and that would yeah. haul all of our equipment. And so we had that sound system in there, all the puppets, all the scenery, the projectors, the stage, the curtains, everything is in that trailer. And so that's what we're using in those very early days to get from one church to the next. And we got caught in a rain and little did we realize until we got to the church that those compartments leaked bad. Oh boy. And the curtains were on the bottom Yeah. and there was a lip. And that lip was probably three quarters of an inch, maybe an inch, you know, before the cover that we made. Mm -hmm. Well, that lip pretty much held water. Nice and it pool. was full. Yeah. It was, they're all sitting in a pool of water in suitcases. But anyway, so we go to set everything up and, and the curtains are just sopping wet. And then here we are, we're at a church and they start to dry out. <laughs> And as they did, they got shorter and shorter and shorter. Oh, boy. <laughs> At least the the curtain that is on the outside that people can see got shorter. The liner didn't shrink, but the outside ones did. And so basically that outside uh, lifted up uh, almost three inches off the floor. Wow. But fortunately, uh, the black liner uh, hung down part of that. And so we just knew that, okay, we can't get too close because uh, people can see right underneath the curtains. Yep. <laughs> so um, now what do you do? You got to get back home that night. So you put everything back in the wet suitcases and put them back in the trailer that is still wet. And we've got 
another church coming up here in just a couple of days. And so what do you do? Well, I don't know how the subject came up, but uh, we mentioned it to Vicky's folks, her mom. And she says, well, I've got a, I've got curtain stretchers up in the attic. I've never even heard of this. Curtain stretchers. <laughs> I had never heard of curtain stretchers. I had no idea what they were. But yes, you can Google them. And at least back in the day, apparently lots of people's curtains would shrink. Curtains in their houses. Mm-hmm. And people had curtain stretchers. And you'd put your curtains back on there and stretch them back out to the length they had to be. And um, missed them, you know, so that they would stretch nice. And then when they dried, they would stay in that position. Well, at least until they got wet again. Yep. <laughs> well, anyway, so um, we felt very fortunate to, to learn that there was such a thing and, and such a way to correct short curtains. And so that's what we had to do. And, and we, they did stretch back out. But when we took them off the stretcher, um, they shrunk a little bit. But instead of being like three inches short, they're only like a half inch short. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was a whole lot better. Anyway, so we had to do that for a few times uh, in between uh, churches until eventually we said, okay, this is ridiculous. We need to do something else. And that's when we got those bedspreads. Yep. Anyway, so that was kind of a setback, a uh, setback financially. You know, we had to um, buy another set of curtains, uh, bedspreads and all, which weren't cheap. But the, those bedspreads bed did not shrink. Um, we did pre-wash them before they, we cut them and so forth. And so um, we still have those curtains to this day, and they still look pretty much as good as they did that very first time. Well, anyway, so that was kind of a roadblock, a little, um, you know, like I said, nothing like this had ever been made before. So we're kind of learning as we go along and finding out what works, what doesn't work, yep. and things that don't work. You got to find out what does, but you can't let that stop you. Well, speaking of stopping you, <laughs> we're coming back um, from doing a program. It was an evening program. Church was an hour and a half, almost two hours away. So by the time we do the evening program, you stand around, you talk with people, and then you got to pack everything up, and, and then you got to drive all the way back to Lansing. Well, we're getting back to Lansing kind of late at night, and um, on the interstate there and we live on the south end of town and you know so we're pulling this trailer with all the stage and all the equipment and everything in that behind this old car and i don't even remember what make or model the car was but um i think i've said this in a previous podcast um we've been married 50 years and have yet to have a car payment everything we drive has been paid for but we've driven some real junk <laughs> <laughs> And we're coming back this night, um, you know, pulling this trailer, and I take the exit ramp, and as you get to the bottom of the ramp, you have to make a left-hand turn, and there's a light at the bottom, and so I'm approaching that light, and I put my foot on the brakes, and the pedal goes clear to the floor. Oh, boy. And so you start pumping the brakes, and there are no brakes, none whatsoever, and I'm not slowing down one bit. and the light is getting very close and our turn is right there and so i did what you had to do you just make the turn and so i did there wasn't any traffic coming the lord was looking over for us in that respect no traffic whatsoever like i said this is lansing and it's nighttime and so we're right through it no sooner got around that corner 
and there's another red light and it's flashing <laughs> and yep. it's right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh no. Sure enough, there was a police car. And uh, as so I kind of drift over to the side of the road and let it kind of drift to a stop. And I knew exactly what the problem was. I mean, he's, I ran a red light. Yep. And anyway, so I sat there and, and just short order, police officer comes up to the window there and, uh, guess you know why I stopped you? I says, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> he says, um, you blew right through that red light back there. I says, yes, sir. I'm sorry about that. He said, well, I got to give you a ticket. I understand. And I thought, you know, maybe I could explain to him what happened. <laughs> you know, that that officer, yeah, I know what I did, but can I tell you why? I mean, I would have stopped and I tried to stop, but I couldn't. <laughs> right. This vehicle doesn't have any brakes. And I'm thinking, no, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut about that. Just take because if he finds out don't have any brakes, <laughs> I just take the ticket. If he finds out that we don't have any brakes, we're going to be looking for a different way to get home tonight. He's not going to let me drive. You know, we only had maybe three, four miles and we'd be back to the house. And so I'm thinking, OK, at this point, just be quiet. Take the ticket. And once he's gone, we'll inch our way back home. We'll get there safe. And we'll deal with this in the daylight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got to go to work tomorrow. But uh, anyway, all we got to do is get it back home. Well, anyway, so I believe in my entire driving career, I believe I've only received two tickets. Um, both kind of similar instances where I didn't really feel they were my fault. But nevertheless, I did get ticket. <laughs> and so that was the first time that, um, yeah. It wasn't something that uh, stopped us from ministry, but boy, it'd have been really nice to have something to stop us before we got to that intersection that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's what you do. You keep on keeping on, and uh, you know, you fix the things that don't work, including brakes. Yep. Yep. You know that, that this is a really great reminder for me. Plus, just hearing these stories is kind of—I don't know that I've heard. I mean, if I knew the the first curtains had shrunk, I've heard that story before, but I don't think I'd heard the other parts. Like, where did that trail even come from? Let alone that was a, the reason for the curtains to shrink and then the the um, no breaks situation, which I've been in that situation once before, and that's terrifying to be <laughs> in a vehicle that you cannot stop. But um, it's just a reminder to me, though. That uh, you, you make your plans, you, you go forward, and then you just when life says otherwise, you don't hold a you don't hold a, hold a crystal ball. You don't know what the future is going to hold. You don't know, and you just got to be able to adapt. And that sounds like a lesson that you've learned early on. And in hindsight, from where I'm at, it's clear that you've learned to adapt again and again and again. It's just a kind of a trait of of the ministry that you've led for fifty years. I don't care what uh, endeavor a person takes. There's going to be things that come along that will try to stop you. And for a lot of people, those things will stop them. Yep. But uh, if, if you're thoroughly convinced, in this case, that you're doing what God wants you to do, you also have to realize that um, when you're out there on the front line, you're going to get shot at. You know, Satan does not appreciate what you're doing and is going to try to throw roadblocks in there and, mm -hmm. and try to discourage you and try to, you know, whatever it is. But you've got to have that mindset that, no, this is not going to stop us. We're going to figure how to get around it. We're going to figure out how to make it work. And we're going to keep on going. 
Yep. And again, with uh, the story with the brakes, it's just really amazing that God had cleared all the traffic, you know, so that the intersection was wide open, you know, except for the officer sitting back there somewhere. But <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have stopped me. I'd have gone right through it, even if I didn't know when he was there when I went through. But, uh, but yeah, God had uh, made the way safe. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the and for the, our friends that have been hanging out with us for this last year, um, they they're they're aware that you're aiming for four programs a week, so that's a lot of miles on a car. That's a lot of uh, stretching curtains <laughs> when they get wet. So yeah, I can see how that would that would get old real fast. And you want to take care of those things. Well, there we go. We had a uh, couple of roadblocks, but didn't stop didn't stop you from moving forward. And uh, I guess we'll we'll put the brakes on it here. Is that a safe way to say it? <laughs> Pick it up next That week. sounds good to me. <laughs> Let's put the brakes on. Yeah, this is Grandpa Wisely. You know, every time you find humor in a difficult situation, you win. <laughs>